helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Privilege has become quite a buzzword in American society over the last few years. As is so in the case, when I hear someone use this word, all I can think of is... You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And that's true. I think we talk about privilege, we don't even think about what it actually means. There are plenty of examples of privilege, but that does not necessarily mean it's a bad thing. For example, simply being born in the United States is a great privilege. While no longer the freest nation, you can certainly have more protections of your rights than the majority of the people in the world. Even the poor in the United States live in more square footage and have more amenities than the average European. And let's not forget, the number one medical issue in America is not malnutrition, but obesity. Even with such a privileged group of people, though, there are other privileges restricted to a limited few in this nation. Again, many of these privileges are good things, but when it comes to privileges before the law, we see then we're dealing with a bad thing. I think it's about time the American people not only become more thankful for the privileges they enjoy, but stop putting up with some of those who are privileged before the law. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. And that's right, today we're going to talk about privileges in the privileged class in America and differentiate between privileges that can be generally enjoyed and privileges that, well, they're limited to an elite few. Now, let's start off with a definition of the word. What is a privilege? Well, according to Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, a privilege, is, a privilege is a right or immunity granted as a peculiar benefit, advantage, or favor. So you think about it. You live in the United States. right? That is a, a privilege, a right and a, that were granted, particularly because we were born here. It's an advantage we have over much of the rest of the world. We hold the immunity from uh, infringements on our freedoms of, of religion, speech, press, the right to peaceably assemble, the immunity from unreasonable searches and seizures. These are all privileges we have because we are citizens of the United States, many of us because we were born here. That is a tremendous privilege. The problem is when privilege is less about the individual and it's more about the group, or in some cases, the uh, the preferred group, the special group. Now, this came to mind uh, when I read about an, a New York Times article written by opinion columnist Nicholas Kristof, and it's entitled, The One Privilege Liberals Ignore. And I want to quote something, uh, for, I want to take a quote from, from the article where you read, we liberals often perceive the world through prisms of privilege, but we rarely discuss one of the most important privileges of all, and it's the title of Kearney's book, The Two-Parent Privilege. I want you to stop and think about that. The two-parent privilege. Now, let's go back to the definition of privilege, right? It's the right or immunity granted by a particular benefit, advantage, or favor. Now, according to the opinion column and according to the Mr. Kearney in his book, The Two-Parent Privilege, having two parents is now the exception. 
It's peculiar. It's a peculiar benefit. See, having a two-parent family used to be the norm. Up until uh, probably the 70s or even the eight, into the 80s and 90s, the vast majority of people were born to two-parent families. Not only two-parent families, those two parents were married to each other. So having a two-parent family was not a privilege. It was the norm. Now, some of those parents had, were, were better off and you had a privilege for that. But the fact that you had that you were raised in a family, in a household that had two parents there, married parents there, was the norm. It was not the privilege. The fact that now being born and raised in a two-parent household is considered a privilege, a peculiar benefit, says a lot about the state of American society. In fact, I would say that the, uh, I don't know if I'd call it a benefit, but the peculiar reaction of the sexual revolution and the destruction of the American family has turned a two-parent household norm into more of an exception, which to me doesn't mean that we've created a privilege for two-parent families. No, we've actually instituted a, a disenfranchisement, a disempowerment of the average American family by removing from them the standard of a two-parent household. Now, this whole thing got me thinking about the, the, the use of the word privilege and the idea that it, 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 it doesn't mean what we think it means, at least not the way it's used by so many today. And, and, and I, we can, I don't want to go into the question of, of the household so much, but it made me think if we so misunderstand privilege, what other privileges do we not understand? Or what other privilege do we allow that really we shouldn't? Take, for example, the privilege of being in a protected class. And yes, I'm using scare quotes. You can't see it, but I'm using scare quotes. So we've decided that there are certain classes of people that are no longer being given equal protection over the law, they're being given special protection over the law. For example, when I lived in, in the state of New York, when I was a young man, um, I worked for a company that uh, we did business machines. I, I worked on their computer section and we bid on a contract and we gave the best bid. We gave them the lowest price for the most equipment. But you see, we couldn't get the contract because the, the company happened to be owned by a white male. See, they had a privileged class. You had to be a minority or woman-owned business to have the privilege of having a bid actually looked at. Didn't matter what our bid said. We were not the privileged class. We were the disenfranchised, the disempowered class because of our ownership. We see this again with things like SOGI laws, where um, you know if you have an abnormal sexual orientation, if you have an abnormal gender identity, you are privileged in certain aspects. People cannot treat you a certain way simply because of your sexual orientation or gender identity. Forgetting that that disenfranchises those who don't identify that way, including those who would prefer not to promote such sexual orientations and gender identities. They are disenfranchised. They are disempowered. They are taken to court. Be simply because they don't agree with what is now an aberrant behavior. I shouldn't say now, which has always been an aberrant behavior. See, we're supposed to have equal protection under the law, but we got rid of equal protection. And 
the sad thing is we got rid of equal protection in many cases for very good reasons. See, we saw the lack of equal protection under the law of minorities, especially the black minorities, especially in the South and, and with the, the Jim Crow laws and other um, race-based laws. And we said, that is wrong. And we started with, okay, don't do this anymore. Right? We got rid of slavery. We started making these unconstitutional, uh, you know, this, this unequal treatment before the law, which is a violation of the 14th Amendment. And we started putting in place laws to stop that. But you see, then we said, well, the problem is there's a lingering impact to having been denied equal protection for so many years. So let's, what we, here's what we'll do. We will give you a special act. We will give you a leg up. We will, we will, we will go from unequal before the law in one direction to unequal before the law in another direction. And we never thought, hey, when's this going to end? When is that pendulum going to stop swinging? The problem is it didn't stop swinging. It kept going farther and farther. And now every time there is a group that some politician wishes to garner the votes from, what do they do? They try to make them a special protected class, make them unequal before the law, make justice lift her blindfold and look at the color of your skin or your, your preferred sexual partner or how you dress and determine whether or you know, how much how much she's going to put a thumb on the scale in your favor. And people laud this. They laud, they laud the privilege given to somebody based on the color of their skin. Ignoring the racist component of that, they, they, they think it's, well, it was done to us, now we must, do un, we must do unto you what once was done to our ancestors. It never ends. It never ends. But you see, then that got me thinking about another form of privilege, one that is commonly accepted, commonly used, and almost never thought about. And believe it or not, this came from the title, this time from an American Thinker article. And the title of the article says, Our Rulers, Wrong in Theory, Incompetent in Practice. Now, do you see the, um, the false privilege there? You see, in the United States, we don't, we're not supposed to have rulers. We're not supposed to have those people who rule over us. We have employees. But let's face it, I was listening to uh, uh, someone the other day, and they were talking about, well, you know, I don't like to call them politicians. I want to call them leaders. No, they're not leaders. Their job is not to lead. Their job is to represent. But it's been so drilled into our minds that this political elite are our rulers and our leaders, and that our job is to follow, that we've got everything completely backwards. They're not our leaders. They're our employees. They're not our rulers. They're our servants. They're there to serve us. Not to be confused with the, uh, the sci-fi novel where <laughs> to serve humans was actually a cookbook. And by giving these people this, this privilege of being considered rulers and leaders and special, uh, uh, special protections before the law, we have helped destroy the rule of law. We've destroyed equal protection under the law. We've allowed this to happen. Yes, we the people allowed this to happen. Because when people, you know, what is it uh, uh, Lord Acton said? 
power corrupts and absolute power power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what have we done? We've given power to people without oversight. In many cases, we've given them all but absolute power effectively, and we're surprised when they're corrupted. See, we've given our political elites a privilege that does not exist in the actual laws of the Constitution of the United States, the supreme law of the land. In fact, there is only one such privilege actually enumerated in the Constitution of the United States. It comes under Article 1, Section 6, in which case they, being the senators and representatives, shall in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of the respected houses and in going to and returning from the same, and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. So I guess technically there are two privileges delegated to, the, to any member of the, of the United States, the, the government, and that is to, to the members of Congress. And there's only these two. So what we're saying is, unless they've been charged with, uh, with a tre- unless they're being arrested for treason, felony, or breach of peace, you cannot arrest a member of Congress either in se- while they're in session or going to or coming from the session. So in other words, as a, as a member of Congress is traveling from their home district to D.C. or back, you can't arrest them unless you're arresting them for treason, felony, or breach of peace. Also, for anything a member of, of Congress says um, on the floor, any speech or debate in either house, they can't be questioned. It basically says, yeah, you know what? Your congressman can lie. They can lie. They can slander because they cannot be questioned for what they say in a speech or debate in either house. And that's an important phrase, in either house. Meaning they could, what they're saying, what they're, what they're doing on the house floor, you can't question them for. What they say outside the house floor or outside of that, that particular house, press conferences and whatnot, that's something different. But those are the only privileges given to members of government legally. That means all other privileges given to members of government are illegal because the laws that created them are unconstitutional and therefore void, empty, meaningless, of no value, as if they had never been passed. By the way, those aren't my words. Those are the words of the Supreme Court. Those are the words of of Alexander Hamilton in Federalist 78. So with this better understanding of privileges and and what they actually mean and how they should actually be used, I want to take the rest of this episode and I want to look at a privileged class before the law. It's interesting enough, in the 14th Amendment, it says, no state shall deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. That language does not exist as pointing to the federal government, but the concept does. The idea of equal protection under the law is a fundamental part of due process, which is protected by the Fifth Amendment as well as the Fourteenth Amendment. Now, I, I have to take a break before we go on, but before I do, I, I do want to remind you to please head over to the website, constitutionstudy.com. Uh, I've been adding some new features to it, and I've got a new feature I'm considering, and I'd really like you to let me know if you think you'd find it useful. See, I set up a whole section of the website to capture news items. 
Um, so if you get uh, the news items that I find interesting are posted on the website. Uh, I also have another section that deals with the radio program here with interviews that I'm on. And I'm wondering, would you be interested in a, a, an email update? In, in some sort of, of, of newsletter type thing where, where what I'm actually doing is every so often, maybe every day you get a, an email with all the news items that I've highlighted for that day. Would you be interested in that? If you would, please go to the website, constitutionstoday.com. Let me know or leave a comment on this episode when it hits the, the America Out Loud website. And I'm considering doing that. I, I really want your feedback as to whether you'd find it worthwhile. Also, by the way, I'd hope you'd consider supporting the work that we're doing here. It takes a lot to get the Constitution study up and running and make it work, and I would appreciate any help that you would be able to provide. Now, before I go, you know, one of the things that are crucial that's crucial to your health is getting good night's sleep. It is crucial. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I've heard from doctors say some of the supplements we use, these hormonal supplements, they can actually disrupt your hormone cycle, making it harder and harder to get to sleep without the, the, these hormones. Well, the wellness company's got a new product called Restful Sleep. It uses natural ingredients that are there to calm the mind, to reduce stress, so you can not only fall asleep, but get a better, more restful night's sleep without the hormone interruption. It has things like chamomile and other and valerian root to help calm you down. Now, as th these are all been backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off Restful Sleep or any of the products at the Wellness Center if you use the code out loud. And oh, by the way, if you sign up for one of their memberships, that code will get you 25% off your first month membership as well. So please, Check out the wellness company. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop. But remember to use that code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off products and 25% off your first month membership. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. 
What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You have rejoined the Constitution Study. Today we're talking about the true privileged class in America. This idea that there are a group of people who are unequal before the law. Now, I've already talked about some of them, right? We've got the, the, the Soji laws and, and uh, some of the, the race laws that create a privileged class. I'm not talking about those. Those are bad enough. I, I'm talking about those who whose privilege is not simply a, a sl- an imbalance in the law, but where the law literally all but disappears. Now, my first example isn't so much the law disappearing, it's, it's consequences for bad behavior that has disappeared. How many of you remember back in the 2020 elections, the, uh, uh, the, you had the, the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, and you had the letter from 50 intelligence experts saying that it was probably Russian disinformation, a letter that was later found to be um, coerced and fraudulent. Well, guess what? Several of those former intelligent officials, some of them who fraudulently claimed that it was a, you know, signed a letter saying that this is Russian disinformation. Guess where they work now? They've been uh, uh, added to the Department of Homeland Security's national, latest National Security Board. Yeah, these now are now considered part of the expert board handling issues of national security. Now, listen, if they lied to the American people once, do you really trust them to not lie to the American people again? See, former DNI James Clapper, former CIA Director John Brennan, former CIA Operations Officer Paul Kobe now serve on this DHS expert board for national security, um, although all of them now shown that, that they've, they signed a letter that was absolutely fraudulent. They, they, they either lied when they signed the letter or they were just incompetent and paying any attention. And we're supposed to trust them with issues of national security. Now, again, that isn't a question of breaking the law. They have, they have the right to freedom of speech. They could lie as much as they want. That's absolutely true. But when there are no consequences to such actions, when that's not considered, um, say, a misdemeanor, meaner, a bad behavior worthy of impeachment and uh, being un, un ineligible to hold public office again, at least a federal office, an office of of trust and profit, we've lost something. We, Besides the fact we've lost the understanding of the word misdemeanor, we've lost this idea of consequences for bad behavior. I remember working for a very large company at one point. I was actually, I worked for a contractor to a very large company, and um, I was leaving that contractor. Uh, I'd had enough of the contractor. They had mismanaged the account terribly. Um, I had found another job. And in fact, shortly after I found another job, the managers were, the two managers that were fired for mismanaging the account. And the customer, this large corporation, 
was were trying to keep me on because I'd worked with them for years and I knew a lot. They wanted me to stay on. And at one point I was meeting with some new vice president who said, no, we were going to fix all of these things. Except they hired one of those two fired managers, the, the very ones that had mismanaged the account before they hired back to do the exact same job. I'm sorry, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I'm like, if that's your idea of we're making things better by taking the people who mismanaged it before and putting them back in place is a, is your example of fixing things, um, I'm out of here. I say the exact same thing about the Department of Homeland Security. If your idea of finding experts in handling national security issue are people who have lied to the American people in an attempt to influence an election, I'm not so sure I trust them. To I don't trust them to be dog catcher much less uh, 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 handling questions of, of national security. Now, there's another interesting one here, and, and this, is a, um, this is a weird reverse privilege setup. So, again, I'm reading this one from the post-millennial, but there's a, uh, a young man by the name of Stephen Horn. I say young. To me, he's young. His name is Stephen Horn. He's an independent journalist, and um, he was recently found guilty by a District of Columbia jury uh, for, um, let's see, entering or remaining in a restricted area, disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted area, disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, parade and parading, demonstrating, or picketing in the Capitol building. There's just one problem. Do you know what he actually did? He said, I, his, his words, he said, I told the same truth to the jury that I posted along with my video on January 7th. I did not enter the Capitol building as part of the protest or for cheap thrills, but to accurately document and record a significant event which was taking place. So here you have a journalist. Granted, he's an independent journalist, but he still has freedom of the press. Remember, press doesn't mean the news media. The word press in 1787 meant anyone engaged in the art or business of publishing and he was in the art he was in the business of publishing he went in with a group of demonstrators in order to record and report to publish a report on what was happening and for that well you see he's been convicted by a dc uh, jury which tells me there's a weird perverse anti-privilege meaning that in the district of columbia apparently if you if you if you are are uh, a, a had all had anything to do with what happened on January 6, twenty twenty one, your privilege is to be assumed guilty, and maybe you can't even prove your innocence. Uh, I'm assuming if he was correct that he did nothing but record what was going on, how is that disorderly or disruptive conduct? How is that parading, demonstrating, or picketing? if what he was doing was observing and recording what was going on. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have is a privilege that says, if you are against January 6th, you, you stand a chance of getting a fair trial. But apparently, if you are against January 6th, or possibly just if you are not a Democrat, then you do not have a chance of getting a fair trial because you cannot find uh, a, an impartial jury of your peers as required by the Sixth Amendment. And let's face it, how are you supposed to get a, an impartial jury as required by the Supreme Law of the land when we have judges in the federal court system 
that simply, well, bring their own personal prejudices to the, uh, uh, to the case. Uh, see, Julie Kelly uh, has uh, done some research, and she claims she has evidence that uh, one of the judges in the January 6th cases, Judge Chuckin, um, in her words, brazenly lied about the Capitol protest. She said during one sentencing, she lied about the January 6th riot and called it an armed attempt, an armed attempted overthrow of this government. There was no such thing. There were no arms except in the hands of the Capitol Police. And it was not an attempt to overthrow the government. It was an attempt to challenge a questionable election. But according to, um, again, Ms. Kelly, she has a transcript of the sentencing by Judge uh, Chuckton. I believe it's how it's pronounced. If I'm mispronouncing, I am I am sorry. Um, in which she said, uh, after admitting that she watched January 6th committee hearings and asking a defendant if he had, Chudkin compares Gen- compared January 6th to Game of Thrones. Now, let me ask you. All right, how are you? Sp- First of all, we have a obviously a corrupt judge. This judge should be brought up on. Not only should this should this judge be uh, uh, immediately reviewed by the bar, immediately reviewed by whatever the federal um, process is for holding judges accountable. Not only should this judge actually be served articles of impeachment for the, such bad behavior, but uh, every conviction regarding January sixth that she is every trial that she's been over. Every conviction should be immediately uh, considered a mistrial and retried. Period. This this level of bias should not be allowed. But imagine, imagine you live in the District of Columbia and you get that that card we all hate. You know the jury summons, and you show up and you listen to the testimony, and then of course you get instructions from the judge. And since most of you don't actually read the Constitution, you don't realize that you still have the right to do what the Constitution says, regardless of what the judge says. So when the judge says, hey, listen, these people were Game of, game of Thrones, You've this judge has manipulated the, the jury. Now, granted, this was during a, a, a sentencing hearing. But can you imagine, I wanted the transcript of the rest of the, of the case. Has this judge poisoned the jury, preventing this person, th- th- this gentleman, th- these defendants, I should say, from an impartial jury, a right protected by the Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a crime under color of law. This judge has committed a crime. She's committed a misdemeanor. She's act, act, obviously behaved badly, which means she should be impeached. She should be, disbar- my opinion, disbarred, if not investigated. And as I said, every January 6th case she's heard should be thrown out. Every conviction under her I'll leave the, anyone who was acquitted, leave them alone. But anyone who was convicted with her as the judge should be declared a mistrial and retried. But we see we won't have that. Why? Because we have privilege. We have a, in, in the District of Columbia, if you support the Democrats, if you support the Democratic theory, you have the privilege of doing whatever you want without consequence. You can even break the law without consequence. Or in some cases, you can be perfectly, you cannot break the law, yet still suffer, suffer consequences. Uh, a Daily Caller posted an article from Alan Dershowitz. Now, I have mixed feelings about Mr. Dershowitz. Uh, 
in some things, I think he's constitutionally extremely sound. In others, I think he's out of his ever-loving mind. Uh, remember, this is the man that said the government has the right to grab you, r- roll up your arm, and forcibly inject you with whatever they want if they think it's an emergency. So, yeah, there's a lot there. But when the man's right, the man's right. In this article, he said, he was talking about uh, many of the, the attorneys that were uh, that have been charged in the Trump indictments. And at one point he says, the lawyers who are currently indicted or were included as unindicted co-conspirators were, at least in part, accused based on their rendering legal services, giving legal advice, filing lawsuits on behalf of clients, and making statements, both oral and written, as part of their legal representation of clients. That is why these charges are so much more questionable and controversial than the ones that were brought against former Attorney General John Mitchell, former White House Counsel John Ehrlichman, and other Nixon aides who were lawyers in the, and I'm, I'm adding, he was talking about back in Watergate. So think about that. You're an attorney doing your job, but because you're doing it for a person that the machine doesn't like, you are now either indicted or, I love this, unindicted co-conspirators. You know what we call those? Innocent people. The very idea that the justice system will point you out when they won't charge you should be a defamation uh, a lawsuit. You're telling me you don't have evidence to charge me, but you're def- you are defaming me as a co-conspirator without evidence? That should be a defamation lawsuit, and that should should lead to, uh, if not civil charges, criminal charges. Because h- how are you considered innocent until proven guilty if all, if you're being listed as an unindicted co-conspirator? How about I list the, uh, the Department of Justice as an unindicted co-conspirator in the overthrow of this country? Are the, is the FBI going to show up? I've dealt with them before, but is the FBI going to show up? This is the two-tiered justice system so many people have been talking about. It is the idea that we have a privileged class, a class that can break the law. I was just, I've been watching some videos of of a lawyer, and he, he keeps making the point, it is perfectly legal for law enforcement to lie to you, but it's a crime for you to lie to them. I want to get in on one of these cases, because I claim that's a blatant violation of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment. Because how can you have due process if you can be entrapped with lies by the government? Granted, I don't expect anything to happen because our justice system is just a system. Justice has gone out the window. But you see how what we when people or so many people talk about privilege, the real privilege is well those politically connected that can get away with crimes without punishment, and that can accuse others of crimes and punish them without any evidence. Imagine, again, you're being charged with a crime for doing your job. You have a right to an attorney, but imagine what happens when your attorney thinks, hey, if this person isn't politically connected, I can be charged for doing what I'm legally, what I'm legally supposed to do. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that is a police state. That, that, that is a, the, the destruction of the rule of law. Uh, and that is a very dangerous place to be. And it's exactly where the United States of America is right now. This privileged class is not simply getting away with murder. No, this privileged class is destroying. This, you talk about insurrection, you talk about an armed overthrow 
of this uh, of the this government. That's what this is. They are armed. They use those arms as force to to force people to comply, and they are overthrowing the foundation of the government, the Constitution of the United States. Now, I'm not going to use certain words because I know people will take them out of context and misuse them. But that is the damn that is the danger of the true privileged class here in the United States. I have to take another break. Before I do, though, you know, some of the information I get comes right from AmericaOutloud.news. It's why I go there every day to find what's going on. I, it's on my reading list, and it should be on yours as well. So please, stop by every day to check out the news and happenings, but do more. Take those, those stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, all that great information you find on AmericaOutloud.news and share it. Expose people to the truth of what is going on, and we all help to secure the blessings of liberty. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today, we're talking about privilege, the privilege class, and the destruction of the, of the Republic. Well, at least the rule of law in the Republic. And we've talked about um, I- examples, some of them legal, some of them more uh, societal. Uh, I want to take a look at a couple here that you may find a little interesting. At least I did. Uh, so, of course, we you probably are aware that uh, there is an inquiry into an impeachment of President Joe Biden. And um, one of the concerns I've had in, in the indictments, the, the, what I've seen so far, the allegation so far is, most of it is focused, is, is, in fact, almost none of it is focused on um, Mr. Biden himself. It's his family. And to me, that the, the, I'm thinking, does there have to be a link? Well, guess what? 
somebody did some research. Uh, Peter Schweitzer wrote an interesting article. I found this on Revolver.News. And he said, uh, you know, while there are many people dismissing this as a witch hunt and all that, there's a very important point that we need to understand. We need to read what the law says about bribery. In this case, the law is Title 18 of the United States Code, Section 201. So while I found uh, what Peter Schweizer said was interesting, I go to the United States Code, Title 18, Section 201, and describing bribery, it says, whoever directly or indirectly corruptly gives, offers, or promises anything of value to a public official, and it goes on. Notice that directly or indirectly. Now, why is this important? Because it means in order for uh, someone to be considered guilty of bribery, they don't have to accept the check. It can be given to them indirectly. What do you mean? Well, it could be that a deal was made and money was paid to Hunter Biden, who then gives 10% to the big guy. It could be that uh, money was given and uh, somebody in, you know, indirectly pays, you know, uh, gives half his salary to pop or pays the bills for pop. That's indirectly, that, that could be, could be indirectly corruptly giving or offering or promises anything of value to a public official. That's a very interesting statement. And it's a very interesting point. And again, I'm waiting for more and more of this to come out because that is the uh, the privileged class. In this case, is leadership and the Dem- Democrats. Um, well, they get cover from the uh, from the media. The media says there's nothing to see here. Move along. But wait a second, there is something to see here. They say, well, there's no direct evidence that that you know anything went directly to Mr. Biden. Doesn't have to go directly to Mr. Biden. It can go indirectly to Mr. Biden, and he's guilty of bribery. Which remember the three things you can be indicted, impeached for: bribery, treason, or high crimes and misdemeanors. All right, let's move on because I've got I'm running out of time. Imagine how much quickly time goes when I'm recording these. Um, let's see. Uh, eight members of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence have published a letter to FBI Director Christopher Ray giving him until the 29th of September to explain how the Richmond Field Office crafted a memo detailing plans to unconstitutionally spy on American Catholics and to report what measures he and other FBI leadership are putting in place to ensure religious liberty is never threatened this way again. So, okay, it's political, right? You've got politicians. I'm sure these are all Republicans. Um, That's not my point. See, again, I have a friend who's a uh, a, a Roman Catholic, a traditional Roman Catholic. He wants, he goes to a Latin mass. And remember the Richmond field office determined that they were potential domestic violent extremists and they were targeted by the government because the, and, and in many cases, what has the FBI done about this? And I, 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 I want to take a closer look at the letter, but my question is not so, not simply, okay, how did it happen? But I want to know who's being held accountable for it. Because remember, everybody in the FBI took an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. Now, if you took an oath to support the document, I believe it's incumbent on you to have read the document and understand the document. And anybody that turns around and says, we're going to target a religious organization because they use Latin in their masses, because they... they uh, 
um, have a traditional point of view is a, well, it's a violation of the First Amendment. Because you are you're you are attempting to deny them their ability to exercise their religion without any due process, without any any evidence of individual wrongdoing, of actually of communal wrongdoing. See, if there's an individual in that group, you target the crime and you target the individual. That's not what apparently happened. That it was the um, uh, that they were targeting a class of people. The antithesis of protection, they were targeting them. Now, there's another little twist because, as I understand it, this uh, th- this designation may have come from the Southern Poverty Law Center, which classifies traditional uh, Roman uh, traditional Roman Catholics as a hate group. But I believe federal law prohibits law enforcement from using SPLC's quote unquote hate group listing, which basically is a political targeting list. Uh, as a as as a uh, evidence as a probable cause to initiate an investigation. Now, I actually want to have an example of when a privileged class member gets uh, well, just a little bit of a comeuppance. Uh, Alexandra Acacia Cortez, as I said, the poster child for sticking her foot in her mouth, uh, was uh, made a statement during an opening statement in a committee hearing the other day, where she claimed that. Uh, Oil and gas production on federal land accounted for a quarter of greenhouse gas emissions in the United States. Again, Acacia Cortez lying through her teeth is nothing new. It's actually expected. What was unexpected and a pleasant surprise was the response from Kathleen Sgama. Uh, she's the president of the Western Energy Alliance. I just want to start off by correcting something that the ranking member said in her opening statement. She claimed that. Uh, oil and gas production on federal lands is responsible for about a quarter million of greenhouse gas emissions. That's complete falsehood. Um, that's based on a misreading of a USGS study of greenhouse gas emissions. And if you actually look at the numbers, production on federal lands and waters accounts for 0.6% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, not nearly a quarter. So um, even the Interior Department stopped using that number after I simply pointed out the numbers from the USGS report. Mic drop. I mean, just boom. Now, is AOC going to suffer any consequences for this? Not really. I doubt it. Because she's part of the protected class. She's part of Congress. She's a Democrat in Congress. And she's she's the ranking member of this, I don't know which committee or subcommittee it was, but um, no, she's not going to suffer any consequences. And I'd be surprised if we don't hear her making this, this patently false claim that oil and gas production on federal land accounts for a quarter of the greenhouse gas emissions in the United States over and over and over again because she never uh she never actually gets suffers a consequence for her um for her 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 lies but again she's part of the privileged class she can lie all she wants and she never suffers consequences now she never suffers consequences in part because well the people in her district keep voting for her which means to me one of two things either they are completely ignorant of all her lies or they actually like them I don't know which disturbs me more the the fact of that the majority of a voting public is unaware of the lies made by their representative or that they like the lies and they promote the lies 
And based on what I've seen, again, not just in, in, in with Ocasio-Cortez in New York City, but in D.C. and in and, and in California and in in Chicago and other areas, it seems to be the people like the lies. They will privilege a class simply because they agree with them, and they want to get to their end. Now, there's another there's a privilege class I haven't talked much about yet, and that's the courts. I mean, I talked a bit about a judge, but let's get all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, there's been a, a, a class of people that, again, they want to disenfranchise Donald Trump. And they are effectively making stuff up to do it. The, the, this whole 14th Amendment nonsense is made up. They have no evidence that Mr. Trump has attempted an insurrection, that he led a rebellion. In fact, Mr. Trump hasn't been charged with either insurrection or rebellion in any of his indictments, not even charged. But a bunch of politicians, aggrieved politicians, are now all wound up saying, oh, it's an insurrection. We can't let him run. This is a political hatchet job. And it's expected that in a month or so, the Supreme Court will decide whether or not some of these lawsuits will go. Now, some of the lawsuits, at least one I think has already been scuttled. They figured out it's not going anywhere, but they expect it to go all the way to the Supreme Court because, well, people are just going to keep doing this over and over and over again. Now, as I understand, the, the, the date they expect the court to render its decision is October 9th. Now, listen, I would love to be able to say, hey, guess what? It's before the Supreme Court. These people know the Constitution, and, and, and they'll obviously follow the Constitution. I'm sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. You listen. You if you listen to me for any length of time, you know if there are nine people that need a basic reading comprehension course when it comes to the Constitution, it is the justices of the Supreme Court, because they have become privileged to believe that their opinions are law, and they're not. That what they say supersedes the Constitution, and it does not. And that they that that they have they are the sole authority to determine what the Constitution means. They are not. In fact, the opinion of a Supreme Court is not the supreme law of the land because it's not included in Article Six, Clause Two. In fact, according to the Supremacy Clause in Article Six, Clause Two, the justices, the judges in every state are bound to the to what the Constitution says, not the other way around. We don't know. It's a political question now because the courts have been privileged from impeachment for their bad behavior. Remember, federal judges do not serve lifetime appointments. It's another lie. They do not. And I can prove it. Go to the Constitution, go to Article 3, um, and uh, Article 3, Section 1. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. Ignoring your oath to the Constitution is not good behavior. Supplanting the supreme law of the land is not good behavior. So as you look at some really important cases that are going to expected to come up in the next uh, Supreme Court term, which starts uh, early October, I forget exactly when, but what we see here is that some of these cases, very important cases, we are not we are putting our hands in the privileged class of a group of high priests in black robes, not 
the law, not the people, not the supreme law that the people approved, that the states approved, but in the hands of nine people. And, and several of those people have shown a penchant to ignore the language of the Constitution. And in fact, all of them, to one extent or another, have. I always laugh at, at Chief Justice Roberts. He's the only justice I know of who wrote both the decision and one of the dissents in the exact same case. That was the Obamacare case, by the way. He wrote the decision upholding Obamacare, but he also wrote a dissent saying Obamacare was unconstitutional. Um, yeah, get your Wrap your head around that one. So we do have a true privileged class in this country. We have actually several of them. Um, if you are black, you are a privileged class. You get special dispensation under the law. If you are uh, a homosexual, if you are quote-unquote transgender, you get special privileged status. You get you, you get the special seating. You get the, the extra weight thumb of justice on your side of the scale. And everyone else is just too bad. And while I'm sure those in those classes think it's great, that's what we need, you know, sticking it to the man, you don't realize that what you're doing is actually destroying the rule of law. Because the very same politicians that can make you a privileged class today can make someone else a privileged class tomorrow. You see, there's a reason why due process, the right to due process is enshrined in the Constitution. There's a right why there's a reason why the due process amendments are half of the Bill of Rights. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Five of the amendments of the Bill of Rights deal with due process. The idea, which includes, by the way, the idea of equal protection under the law, of innocent until proven guilty. There's a reason why that's so important. And when we allow the imbalance of equal protection under the law then we are increasing the tilt towards tyranny. And I don't care which direction it goes. It doesn't matter which side of the scale is tilt, it's tilted towards. When that scale is not even, when you are not equal before the law, then the Republic is dying. We are sinking on the Titanic of our own hubris. The question is, will the American people wake up? Will the American people do something about this? Paul, what can we do? We're just people. Yes, you are. But you're the sovereign of this country. You choose who represents you. Not individually, but collectively. What are you doing to make sure that decision is based not on privileged class, not on bribes, but on their, their fidelity to their oath to support the Constitution? You also have the ability to look at locally. What are you doing to make sure that your, your county, your city, is equal justice before the law? If you can't fix Washington, which, by the way, you can't, can you fix your county and your city? Because if you fix your county and your city, and I fix my county and my city, and all the other people listening to this radio program, if they fix their counties and their cities, well, then we make a huge change in this country, don't we? See, we've been convinced that there's nothing we can do, and that is absolutely wrong. It is a magician's trick. There's a reason why we keep getting focused on Washington, D.C. 
Part of it is that's where the collectivists want all power to reside. But it also keeps you disenfranchised and distracted from the actual privilege you have to control what goes on in the government of your city and your county and your town. And if we focus there, that is the privilege of being a citizen of the United States. Now, I hope you'll come back and join us for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, all of my shows go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. Listen with your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show, leave me ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as always, share them. It is by sharing this information that we share the blessings of liberty.